So today's daf is actually is actually ayin. In Eruvin, we're on the Mishnah and Samach Tetam Mudbet, the Minu Mishnah. And Shechatzish Shachach Chad Meir Velo Erev. Now, a lot of these halachot we've already touched upon in other contexts. Um, this is the, but this is the source of this idea. You have Bnei Chatzir, members of a courtyard that one of them forgot to participate in the Eruv. Beito Asur Melachnis Velotzi Lo Velahim. When it comes to his house. Nobody's allowed to move anything in and out of his house. In other words, what's, what's the concept? So the concept is that since he didn't participate in the Eruvei uh, Chatzerot, so his house is considered like a separate domain from everything else. So everyone who participated in the Eruvei Chatzerot is considered one entity, and then there's his house. So, since, so, that, so what happens is his house will be... Um, so, so he forgot to participate in the Eruv, so he's not going to be able to take things in and out. Not he and not anyone else. But let's say, now here's the interesting thing. This guy that didn't participate in the Eruv, what's his status in terms of taking things in and out of the other people's house? For his own house is considered a domain that is separate from everyone else because he didn't participate in the Eruv, but we're assuming he did be tool, right? The assumption is he did be tool. So, he gave up his right to carry things in and out of his house on Shabbat. And the rest of the people in the Chatzir now are all considered one entity. But his house is a, still a separate domain because he doesn't give up his house. He just gives up his rights to the Chatzir. So therefore he can't move anything in and out of his house and nobody else can either. But let's say his neighbor asks him to move something out of his house. That's okay because the neighbor's house and the Chatzir are all considered one domain because everyone else made an Eruv Chatzirot. Everyone else was united. So they were all able to do that. So that's why it says, so says Even he's allowed to carry things out of his friend's house. But If they give him permission, in other words, instead of him giving them permission, um, giving them, uh, you know, the right to uh, his uh, portion in the chatzir, they give it to him. So then it says, So then what comes out is that he's allowed to move things in and out, but they're not. Because they're, and, and that's going to include their houses as well. Meaning, we're going to see. He's allowed to move things. Let's say, let's say there are five other families in the Chatzir. I'm just making it up. And they all give up their rights to the Chatzir to this one guy that forgot to join. So now he's allowed to move things in and out, but they're not. And, and uh, we'll see what, what the exact details of that are in a second. When we get to the Gemara. But Hayush Naim, if there were two people left out of the Eruv, so Osrin Zelze, they're going to prohibit each other. Okay, because the thing is that even if there's, let's say, seven people there, seven families, and five of them join in the Eruv Chatzot, and two of them are left out, so even if one decides to nullify his rights, there's still the other one. There's going to be two left over. The deal is that two people, one person can both give and receive Rishut, meaning to say that if everybody in the Chatzot decides... To give up their rights to the chatzir to one person, that works. But everybody can't decide to give up their rights to two people because there's still more than one entity and you can't have more than one entity operating in the chatzir. However, two people can nullify their rights to one person as long as at the end of the day there's one entity operating, even if it's a corporate entity created from multiple families that unite together in Eurovei Chatzir, it has to be one entity. Okay? So that's why it says that one person can give and take his permission. But they can't receive permission, meaning if everybody, if five of the families nullify their rights to two families, there's still two families, so it's not going to work. 
There has to be only one entity operating. When can this bitul reshut be done? Beit Shammai says it's just like you have to do everything else before Shabbat starts. You have to do this before Shabbat starts. Beit Shammai says even on Shabbat you could do it. Meaning, and, and that's the typical case. The typical case is actually where somebody forgets to participate in the Eruvei Chatzerot and they realize on Shabbat. So they, they're able to do bitul reshut and say, okay, I give up my rights to the Chatzer for this week. Now that would, like we said before, allow that guy to now take things in and out of other people's houses into the Chatzer, but not his own. But not his own. Right? We saw this before. Somebody who gives up his rights to the Chatzer, but then goes and takes something out of his house into the Chatzer anyway, he retracts his bitul, basically. And we're talking about a case, as we said earlier, and we said yesterday, talking about a case where what the guy did was actually before the rest of the members of the Chatzer were able to use the Chatzer. So he did it ahead of time, so it's a considered a retraction. If they've already started using the Chatzer, he wouldn't have the ability to retract anymore. Rabbi Yehuda says that that's only true if he does it on purpose. In other words, let the guy it gives up his right to the Chatzer. And then he purposely takes things out of his house into the Chatzer before anybody else has a chance. So he's saying that I don't really mean what I said. I don't really mean that I was going to give up my rights to carry things into the Chatzer because I'm doing it anyway. That's a, everyone agrees that would nullify his bitul. But if he did it by accident, Rabbi Yehuda says that isn't, a, you know, he just forgot. So he didn't mean anything by that. Rabbi Meir says, no, we have to make it black and white. If, you, if he carried something out, he nullifies the bitul and it, he retracts it. Now, again, that will only work if the other members of the Chatzer have not yet taken advantage of the permission he gave them. Once they take advantage of the permission he gave them, so now even if he goes and he carries things out of his house, even though he's not supposed to, he no longer has the right to retract the right that he gave them. Okay? What does it mean, Bishogi? What is exactly? What it means that he forgot that he had given up his right to right. carry in the Chatzer, so he took something out from his house into the Chatzer. Okay, and allowed to do that? No, he's not allowed to. That's why it's called Bishogeg. Meaning he gave up his right to do it. He gave, let's say, a very simple case. The guy, they come to him and say, you didn't participate in the Eruv and now we're stuck. We don't have an ability to carry in the Chatzir. Says, oh, they say, can you give up your right to the Chatzir? He says, sure, I give it up. Okay, but he didn't realize that that meant now he can't carry. He just thought it was like a thing. So he went and he carried his uh, thing. So it's Bishogeg. He didn't realize that he wasn't allowed. He didn't know what it meant. He thought, oh, I, I give up my uh, permission and now I'm allowed to also care. Oh, it doesn't cancel so that. So Rabbi Uda says that doesn't cancel it. Rabbi Meir says it doesn't matter. If he acts because against what he said, actions speak louder than words, he's going to cancel. But why is now, that? Because if, if, the, if the, all the tenants together is making the roof of the entire uh, Shkuna, right. why can't he participate? That's only, in, in those days, you had to actively participate. Meaning nowadays they do it without telling you. They do it on your behalf. But in those days, like we said, they, they collected food from every house and made the Eruv out of everyone's contribution. It's already Shabbat, we're assuming. Most of the time it's already Shabbat, so it's too late. Right, if they had come to him before Shabbat, he would have been able to fix it, I guess. <laughs> so the only time that there would be a reason, according to, let's say, Beit Shammai, who says also the bitul has to be done before Shabbat. So the only time what would be relevant, according to Beit Shammai, would really be if, like, the guy didn't have any food to give or whatever, you know, something like that. Now the Gemara says, Beito dasura chatzero sharia. It says his house is prohibited, but his chatzero is permitted. Meaning to say, we're going back to the first case where it talks about everyone forgot, everyone made an eruv and the one guy didn't participate. And so he does bitul to them, okay? So it says, 
he's not, his house, it's prohibited to go take things in and out, but not the chatzir. The chatzir is okay. So what does that mean? Now, if, he, if in his bitul he also specified that I'm giving up my house, so then his house also should belong to the rest of the members of the chatzir, and he should be able to take things in and out of there too. But but if he didn't do a bitul, so then why is his portion in the chatzir permitted? So the answer is, We're talking about where the guy gives up his right to the chatzir, but not to his house, which was what the rabbis say is the typical situation, right? Like we said earlier. That, we, that the rabbis say that a person who gives up his rights to the chatzir does not automatically give up his rights to his house. He still holds by his house. So therefore, and what's the reason then that he's allowed to carry things in and out of other people's houses? Because he is now a guest of everybody else. In other words, he still has his house. So his house is a separate domain from anything else. So nobody's allowed to carry things in and out of his house into the chatzir because his house didn't become a part of the Eruv chatzirot. However, he could go over to his friend's house and carry something from his friend's house into the chatzir because that friend's house and the chatzir is all merged together as one entity. What does an Eruv chatzirot do? It basically says that the houses that are participating in the Eruv chatzirot and the chatzir itself are all one place. So therefore, everyone else's house is one place with the chatzir. So he could take things in and out of there, just like moving something from one corner of the room to the other. But his own house that he didn't participate in the Eruv Chatzerot, he gave up his right to the chatzir only and not to his house. So therefore, his own house is a separate domain and he can't carry things in and out from his house and neither could anybody else. Okay, that was, that's the general rule. But the Gemara is going to clarify that because we're going to see. If, the, if it goes the other way, then instead of the guy, let's say the guy had a Brit Milah that week in his family, or some, for some reason they wanted to be nice to him. This guy who didn't participate in the Erovei Chatzerot, they wanted to be nice to him, and they said, you know what, instead of you giving up your right to the Chatzer, we're going to give you our right to the Chatzer. We're going to give it up to you. And Maybe, no? well, it doesn't matter. Okay. Right? It doesn't matter yet. Hold on to that idea. But the point is, we're going to give up our right to you so you can carry in and out of your house. Maybe he has a, a, a Simchanis family. A, I don't know. Okay? So what happens then? So it said, He is allowed to move things around, but they're not. Okay? Now what's the reason? So why don't we say the same reasoning? Before we said that this guy who gives up his rights to everyone else he becomes like their guest. So he's actually allowed to bring things in and out of their house. But they're not allowed to bring things. Now that they gave up their rights, they're not allowed to get, bring things in and out of his house. Right, they're not allowed to bring things in and out of his house. Why not? Why not? Right, so the answer is because we say that chad So you see, it comes to tell you that that you could say about one guy that he's a guest of everybody else. You can't say everybody else is a guest of his. So what did we say? We said the reason why he's able to bring things in and out of everyone else's house after he nullified his rights to everyone else is because everyone else combined together. So he's able to be like a guest of theirs. Okay, he's not allowed to bring anything out of his own house and they're not allowed to bring anything else out of his own house, but he's allowed to bring things out of their house because he's like a guest of theirs. So it's okay, but we can't say the other way around that if the chatzir now becomes his, right? And his house is merged with the chatzir and everyone else gave up their rights to the chatzir. So their houses are like, we're assuming they kept their houses according to the chachamim. They don't give up the rights to their houses. So that means they can't bring anything in and out of their houses. But what about his house? Even that, we don't say that they're considered his guests. 
We don't say that they're considered to be a guest of his. So therefore, they're not going to be able to take advantage of what he was able to take advantage of. He was able to say, oh, I'm really a guest of theirs, so I'm able to go in and out, bring things in and out of their house because I'm a guest of theirs and I'm, I'm subordinate to them. They're not going to be subordinate to him that they can come and do that. So I, I think, so she says here that uh, they, they cannot even carry from his house into the, in, in to the, to the, to the, uh, into the chatzir because the fa- they're not considered to be part of what he has. They gave up their right to him, but they're not now considered subordinate to him, that they can come and take things out of his house into the chatzar. And definitely since they gave up their right to the chatzar, they can't bring things out of their own house into the chatzar. It goes without saying. Right? So that's, the, that's the, what the halakha, that's why the Mishnah says what it says. Now it says, You could see from this Mishnah, we had raised the question, can you do multiple bitul rishut on Shabbat? In other words, can you first say, okay, everyone's giving up their rights to Joe. And then Joe gives his rights back to everyone else or whatever. Can you, can you switch back and forth in the middle of Shabbat and then all Shabbat long you're playing around? It sounds to the Mishnah like you can because first it said, well, everyone, he gave up to everyone and then he becomes like their guest. He's able to bring things out of their house and then they give up to him and now he's able to bring things out of his own house even though they're not. Right? So it sounds like they're playing a game. It says, no, it's talking about two different cases, not the same case. In other words, the Mishnah is not just saying this all happened on one Shabbat. It's saying if they decided to go with option A, which is the guy gives up his rights to everyone else, so then he actually becomes like their guest, then he can even bring things, that's oh, okay, we have plenty of light. He can bring things in and out of their houses, even into the Chatzir on Shabbat, and it's no problem, but they, just that they can't bring out of his. But if they gave up their rights to him, so then he has the right to bring in and out of his own house, but they can't do anything. That's talking about two different cases, not the same case. We're not talking about on the same Shabbat. Really, that couldn't happen on the same Shabbat, like we said, because you can't play a game on the same Shabbat. So if you have two people that didn't participate in the Eruv, they're going to prohibit each other. So even if, let's say, the people of the Chatzir gave up their rights to one or to the other, it's still going to be a problem because there's two entities operating there and two entities is no good. So it says, So it should be obvious. I mean, if you, I'm okay if you, if you can. Yeah, it's okay. I'm fine, but maybe it will help. Yeah. So if you, the thing is that if you have two people, we know that that's, that's the definition of, Erov, of the problem of Erov Echatzerot when you have more than one person. So obviously if there's two people who are left out of the Erov, it's a big problem. So it says, no, the case is where even if all of the people of the Chatzir went to one of those two guys and said, we're giving you our rights, right? We're giving you our rights. So there's, a, there's Mr. A and Mr. B who are left out of the Erovei Chatzirot. So they go to Mr. A and say, Mr. A, we're giving you our rights. And then Mr. A says, well, in order to merge this properly, I'm going to go to Mr. B and say, I'm giving you my rights and also all the rights that I got from the people of the Chatzir. And now everybody is under Mr. B. Right? In other words, that's a way to like, to, to get rid of the problem. If Mr. A and Mr. B both nullify their rishut to everyone else, so that would be okay. Right? But we're talking about where the people of the Chatzir nullify their rishut to one of these two guys, and that guy goes and nullifies his rishut to the other guy. That won't work. What my, my, it says, Mahu de tema, lishtere, you would think that would work, but Kamashmalan, Kevan David Nadebate, Loavale Shariuta, by Chatzir. It only works. So you can give up your own rights to the Chatzir. But you can't give somebody else's rights. So if the people of the Chatzir went to Mr. A and gave him their rights, he cannot then go. That didn't do anything for him because they were still Mr. B. So actually, technically, the people of the Chatzir giving their rights to Mr. A did, uh, did a total of nothing because there's still two people. There's Mr. A and Mr. B. 
So now Mr. H says, well, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to give all the rights that I have, including what I got from the people of the Chatzir, from the other eight people in the Chatzir, I'm going to give it to Mr. B. It won't help because the fact that he had the rights from the rest of the Chatzir didn't really do anything for him. It wasn't significant. So he's not able to do that. So even though it sounds like a great solution, it won't work. The only solution that they would have in that case would be for Mr. A and Mr. B to both nullify their rights to everybody else. And then, of course, they would have to give up their right to bring things in and out of their house, but maybe they would be able to bring things out of the houses of the other people in the neighborhood, and that would be okay, like we said before. Now, we're going to come back to this concept later. Shechad no tenoshut that says one person can give up their rights, uh, but uh, two people, and two people can give up their rights, but two people cannot receive, because if two people receive everyone's rights, you still have two people. And if you have two entities, it's no good. Yeah. So, it's, so now it says, ah, two lamali. Why do you have to go back and say this again? But we get the concept. If you're just telling me that one person can give up his rights to the chatzer and nullify himself, we know that already. We learned that already. If you want to tell me that one person can receive the rights of everyone else, it also already said it in the beginning in the Mishnah. So what's the chidush? There's no chidush here. Why are you repeating it? So it says, you need the end. Because it's talking about where two people can give, can do bitu Hanami Pshita, that's obvious too. Obviously two people can give up their rights. So what? Says no, Maudetema, what might you have thought? Pshita, it was obvious. Maudetema, what would you have thought? Ligzar dilma Because you see, in the case of one, you might think that only one person can do bitul shud. There's a limit. Only one person, meaning if nine of the families made eruv chatzerod and one guy was left out, the one guy can do bitul shud, but not two. Why would you think that? What's the difference? The answer is because in that case, it's reversible. Meaning. If the one guy decides to give up his rights to the nine, it works. And if the nine decide to give up to the one, it also works. It limits them or it limits him, but it works, right? But if you have two people, if the two people give up their rights to the other eight people, right? So then it's okay. But if the eight people give up their rights to the two people that were left out, it's not okay. So it's not reversible. So therefore, you might think that since it's not reversible and there might be a mistake and people will say, well, we know that if one guy gives up his rights, it's okay. And if everybody gives to one, it's okay. We know that if two guys give up their rights to everyone, it's okay. So maybe if everyone gives to the two guys, it's also okay. So you might be confused. So, come, so you might have made a gzeran not to allow that, not to allow two people to do bitul rishut since they can't be the recipients of bitul rishut. They can only be the givers. So therefore it says, Kamashmalan, that we don't make that gzeran. We say that multiple people can give their, the rights to the chatzer, to the, to the other people. It doesn't, not only one person, even two people. Right, just that, they, that when it comes to receiving, since the whole concept of bitul reshut or erovechatzot is that it has to be subsumed under one ownership, one domain. So obviously, it won't work if the group gives up to the two people because there's still two people involved and will be invalid. So now it says not nin they can't take the reshut. Lamali, why do I need to say this? This is what we said before that even though everybody goes to Mr. A. Let's say you have eight people that made an Erovei Chatzirot and two guys, Mr. A, Mr. B, didn't make it. So everybody goes to Mr. A and says, Mr. A, give, we're giving you our rights. You are now our Shaliach. You transfer it to Mr. B. It says you might think that would work. So it's telling you no, that, that's why it says, Even though they said to him, acquire our rights in order to give the rights to Mr. B, it doesn't work. You can't have the, the two-step 
process. Abaye asked Rabbi a question. We saw this question earlier in the Gemara. He said, If you have five people that are living in one chatzer, and one didn't participate in the Eruv, so that means four did and one didn't. Does he have to make a bitul to every member of the... You have, you have five people. One didn't participate. So E didn't participate. A, B, C, and D did. Does E have to go and say, I'm mevatel my rights to A, to B, to C, and to D? Or he can just say, no, I'm mevatel to A. A is already part of a corporate entity with the other four, because the other four, I mean the other three, rather, because the four made an Eruvechatzerot. So maybe I'll say, okay, B, saying I'm giving my rights to any one of A through D is just as good because they're all one entity. I give it up to one of them. I don't have to mention A, B, C, and D. Or do I? So Amar Lei said, He said, you have to say to each and every one. Even though they became one corporate entity, you have to say, I'm giving my rights up to A and to B and to C and to D. You have to say all of them. Yeah, we mentioned it before. But now it's, this is actually, we mentioned it in, uh, like, as an aside before. This is like the core discussion. So there is an objection to that. It says in the Brayta, one person, and this is actually Abaye raising an objection to the answer that he got. He said, it says, one person who didn't participate in the Eruv can give up his rights to somebody who did. Two people who made an Eruv can give up their rights to one person who didn't make an Eruv. Like we saw, it's reversible, right? Two people who didn't make an Eruv. They can give their rights to two people that made an Eruv. We know, because in all of these cases, at the end, the point is the sum total is one entity will be created. Okay? Or two people who, made an, who didn't make an Eruv can give up their rights to one person who didn't make an Eruv. Again, the sum total is one. But one person who made an Eruv cannot give up his rights to one person who didn't make an Eruv. Okay, now, we're, because, well, we're going to see in a second, we're going to see. It says, Aval lo echad she'erev noten rishuto lechad she'erev. Ven shenayim she'ervu, and two people who made an erov, noten rishuto lechad she'erev, cannot give to two people who didn't make an erov. Now, now that we know that's obvious, right? The case right before we have to clarify. But, but definitely, two people who made an erov cannot give up their rights to two people who didn't make an erov, because what will be the sum total? There will be two people who have the rights. That's no good. And obviously, two people who didn't make an erov cannot give to two people who didn't make an erov, because again, you'll end up with just A and B switching with C and D, but in the end, you still have two. You still have two entities. Right? The one that isn't clear is why does it say that somebody who made an erov can't give his rights to somebody who didn't make an erov? Okay, we're going to see, the Gemara is going to pick this apart quite a bit. But the main point is, um, is, uh, uh, is what, what Abayi is going to point out here is, Katani miyat It says that a guy who didn't make an Eruv can give up his rights to somebody who did make an Eruv. Now obviously, what is it saying? So, what are we talking about there? In other words, if I'm giving up my rights, let's say I'm the guy who forgot to be part of the Eruv. So it says, I can give up my rights to one person who made an Eruv. Now, who did he make an Eruv with? Not, no, not Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's obviously somebody. Right? Obviously, there's another person. And what am I doing? I'm only giving it up to one person of the two. There's at least two. 
right? So Abaye is saying it's very clear. It says that a person who wants to give up his rights gives it up to one person who made an Eruv. Now, obviously, that one person who made an Eruv made it with somebody. He might have made it with 10 other people, but you're only giving it up to the one person. So that shows you don't have to be mevatel lekol echad veechad to each and every one. Even one is enough. That's clear. So Rabbah, what is Rabbah going to say? But Rabbah didn't Rabbah say that you have to give up your rights to each and every member of the Eruv Echatzerot. Even if they all made an Eruv Echatzerot, you have to do for all of them. Now Abaye's logic makes sense because Abaye is basically saying once they made an Eruv Echatzerot, they became one entity. So you can give up your rights to any representative of the entity. Rabbah is saying no. We must be talking about a case where the guy died. Okay? In other words, meaning that the, there were three people originally. Two of them made an Eruv. One was excluded. The guy who was excluded wants to give up his rights to the people who made the Eruv. And the reason why he only has to give up his rights to one of the, pe- one of the people is because the other guy died. That's the reason. But Eid the Havavamit, if that's really true, that he was around, that he died. So, It says that one person who made an Eruv cannot give his rights to somebody who didn't make an Eruv. If we're talking about where the, where the person who was part of that Eruv died. So really, there are only two people, right? Because originally, there was a guy who made an Eruv with somebody else, and there's a guy who wasn't part of the Eruv. And the guy who made the Eruv, A and B, B died. Okay? So am I low? So why can't B, why can't A, who's still around, give up his rights to C? There's only two people left. What's the difference? Uh, so it says, am I low? Obviously, there is a third party there. In other words, it's obviously that A and B made an Eruv, and it's saying B cannot now give his rights up to C. Because what's going to happen? He doesn't have the right to do that on his own. He can't do that on his own because he's together with A. Right? If he died, then it wouldn't be a problem. Exactly. Right? So that's the whole point. It's saying you can't do it. Why wouldn't you be able to do it if A died? If A died, you should be able to do it. Yeah. Right? So it says, Umidisefa ite, veshanama ite. So it says, from the fact that in, the la- in that case where it says that if A and B make an eruv, and they want to, and B wants to join with C, that he can't. So obviously that means A is still alive. That's why B can't do it. Because if A had died, then why couldn't B do it? So we're talking about where A and B are both still alive. And yet it says that you only have to be, you wanted to, Rabbi wanted to say that, oh, the reason why the, the, the guy can be mevatel only to B or only to A is because one of them died. But, but then in the other case, case, obviously one of them didn't die. So you're just going to say every time that it contradicts your, your theory, you're going to say the guy died, right? You're going to kill guys left and right <laughs> just to make your theory work. It's not work. So it says, no, he'll say to you, you can't prove anything from here. Every case you got to look at it in its own merits. Okay, in a situation where it only makes sense if A or B died, it's where A or B died. And in a case where it only makes sense if A and B are both alive, then A and B are both alive. So basically he's saying that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to modify how I read the case, right? So when it talks about having to be mevatel only to one person, I'm going to say that that one person was because the other guy died. So A and B made an eruv, A died, so C can now be mevatel to B, and that's good. But if A and B were both alive, you would have to be mevatel to A and to B. And in the case where it says B cannot go and be mevatel his rights to C, because he was in an Eruv with A and B, that's because A is alive. Okay, but if he were dead, he would be allowed to. That's what Rabbah wants to say. And now Rabbah brings his proof for his position, which is actually very good. He says, Teda, you should know it's true. Because the latter half of the first part, the latter part of the first half of the Brayta said, 
It says, two that didn't make an Eruv can give their rights over to two that made an Eruv. But what does it say? L'shnayim she'eruvu. You see that? To two that made an Eruv. Meaning, L'shnayim in le'echad lo. Meaning that if two people want to do Bitul Rishut, they have to do it L'shnayim she'eruvu. They can't do it just to one of the people that made the Eruv. They have to be mevatel to each one of the people. So if A and B made an Eruv and C and D did not, C and D have to give up their Rashut both to A and to B because as it says, the Shnaim She'eruv, that's a good proof for Rabbah. Rabbah is saying, meaning one by one. one, by one. Yes, yeah, no, so that, that's what he says. Rabbah is, it could be to either one. Then it, it should say, be. Le'echad She'eruv because Le'echad She'eruv. Then what is the only one person left? So he's saying, if you're gonna, if you, if it says Le'echad She'eruv, he's obviously made an Eruv with somebody. So either the other person is dead or they're alive. You're going to say that they're... So if they're alive, then that, that's supporting Abaye's view that you're giving it only to one of them and he's a representative of the group. Right? Rabbi is saying no. When it says one, it's talking about because the other guy died. When it says you have to... But you see the other case, it says you have to give it to two. Meaning you have to be mevatel to each one. Otherwise it would say to one of the guys. It wouldn't say to two of them. Right? That's what he's saying. Abaye will say... He's saying exactly what you're saying. What will Abayi say? What does it mean you have to give up to two? To one of the two, meaning which, whichever one you want. It doesn't mean you have to go one after the other. It means give it to A, and A represents B. Give it to B, B represents A. They're part of one entity. Right? So, so if that's true, then why doesn't it use the language more precisely and say to one of the guys who made an Eruv? Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that didn't make an Eruv. So, Kashe, you're right. It's not so clear. In other words, if the Brighton wanted to make clear that you only had to give over rights to one of the representatives of the group, it should have been clearer and said, give it to one of the guys. It should have said, it's talking about where two people made an Eruv, give it to one of them. It doesn't say that. It says, give it to Shnaim She'eruvu. Right? To two of them. So it implies, you have to give to each one. Now, It says, if one guy who, um, one guy who didn't participate in the Eruv can give his rights over to one guy who did, so Abaye interprets that part of the Brita as talking about where both guys are alive, A and B. They made an Eruv. Yes. C didn't. So you give it to one of them. Why does it say he gives up his rights to one of the guys? Because he only has to give his rights up to one of the guys. Either A or B. They represent each other. So according to Rabbah, that's talking about where A and B originally made an Eruv, but actually A died. So that's why you only have to give your rights up to B. And the chidush is that even though if they were both alive, according to Rabbah, you would have to go to each one and be mevatel rishut. And now that one died, you can't do that anymore. And you might say that since you can't do that anymore, they should make a gzeran say that you now can't do bitul rishut because if A were still alive, you wouldn't be able to. Because he's not, because you would have to go to each one. So in order to make things consistent, maybe they should have made a gzeran that in a case like that where A and B made an eruv before Shabbat, and C didn't participate, and C wants, and now A dies, that C shouldn't be able to now do Bitul Rashut, because if A were still alive, he would have to go and uh, be, do Bitul to both. So therefore, they didn't make a Gzera like that. That's the Chidush, okay? That's why it says, Because if they, you might have thought that they should make a Gzera for cases, in other words, in a case where the guy died, they should say that he can't do the Bitul, because maybe you'll make a mistake, and then when two of them are around, you'll only do the Bitul to one. Rabban and Abayah are arguing this out here. Okay, it says two people who made an eruv can give their rights to one guy who didn't make an eruv. Okay, so pshita, how is that? That's obvious. 
So what's the, what's the problem? As long as it's the sum total is that one guy has the control or one entity has the control, what's the problem? You might have thought that maybe the majority has to rule. And this one guy didn't decide to join together with the others. Maybe we should say, why, why should he get the benefit of uh, everyone be doing Bitul Rashut to him? But he, he decided not to give. He decided not to participate. And we're, we're giving him the kavod. We're going to all give up our rights to, the, to C. When C was the one who didn't participate. Maybe you'll think you can't do that. So it says, Kamashimala. No, you're allowed to do it. You're allowed to have even the majority subordinate to the, to the minority. If you have two guys who didn't participate, they can give their rights to two people who made an Eruv. Right? So, so Rabba says the reason for this case is to clarify the beginning. In other words, it has to mention this case here because it's to clarify that if you're giving your rights to, to two people who made an Eruv, it has to be Lishnaim Sheruvu. You have to give it to each one of the two, to both of them, right? Not just to one. That's, a, that's why it's mentioned. La Abaye, for Abaye, it's already known that you only have to give up your rights to one member of the group. So why here does it mention two? He says, the, he, you need this case. You need the case of two people who didn't participate in the Ruvah. Because he says the reason is for the other way. In other words, Abaye would say, you don't have to do bitul to each one. You only have to do to one. Right? But the thing is, that you might have thought that two people cannot do bitul rishut, like we said before. Why? Because it's not reversible. Because two people who do bitul rishut to the, the rest of the B'nai Chatzir is okay. But the B'nai Chatzir who make a, a bitul to the two people would not be okay. Because there would still be two entities there. So therefore you might think that we make a gzerah that more than one person cannot do bitul rishut because it will be confused and they'll reverse it and they'll, they'll do bitul rishut to more than one person. Right? So therefore, Kamash Malan, that you can have multiple individuals doing Bitu Rashud. What do I need the case of the person um, where it says that two people who didn't make an Eruv can give up their rights to a person who didn't make the Eruv? That's obvious, should be obvious, right? You might have thought that if nobody made an Eruv, interesting, right? You might have thought that all of the cases up till now where everybody made an Eruv except one guy or two guys. But what about a case, you might have said, well, what if nobody made an Eruv? You might have said, well, there, maybe it's worse. Why? Because Tishtakach, uh, what's going to happen is that the whole concept of Eruv is going to be forgotten, right? We don't want it to be completely forgotten and lost. And since nobody made an Eruv at all, you'll say that it's going to get confused, right? So therefore you shouldn't have, so, so the fact that the Brayta tells you that, no, even if nobody made the Eruv Echatzerot, and one, two of the guys go and they are Mivatel, their rights to one guy, it's okay. You, you don't say that, well, no, shouldn't at least somebody have made an Eruv Echatzerot or we should prohibit everything? Because otherwise they're going to forget the whole concept of Eruv Echatzerot. It says, no, it's okay. It's okay there too. About en echad she'erev noten ushtol echad she'erev. It says, one person who made an Eruv, who A and B joined together, so B cannot go and give his rights over to a guy who didn't make an Eruv. The reason for this case, according to Abaye, is to teach you that one guy, can, that when you do bitul Rashut, you only do it 
to one guy. So it's, the, the, this is the, what's quoted here is actually the opposite case. It's the case where the one guy who made the Eruv is not allowed to go and give his rights to another guy who didn't make the Eruv. Why? Because he still has his partner in the Eruv that's not participating. That's why. Is he, right? Is he right? dead or no? no Abaye doesn't have the dead there. Right? Really, according to, to uh, Rabat, it's obvious that um, this case would be obvious. But, uh, but, it's, uh, but it's, since it used the case of, uh, since it's uh, repeating the same cases in different forms, it, it covers all of the different permutations of the case. Two people who didn't make an Eruv cannot give their Rishut to two people who didn't, I'm sorry, two people who made an Eruv cannot give to two who didn't. Why do you have to say it again? Again, same concept. That why does it have to emphasize that two people who made an Eruv cannot give to the two people who didn't make an Eruv? Because you might have thought that they could give, let's say A and B made an Eruv, C and D did not. A and B could give up their rights to C. C will go and give up his rights to D and it should work. It says Kamashwana doesn't work. Why not? Because Since when C receives the rights from A and B, he still doesn't have anything to work with because he still has D who's an independent entity. So it doesn't work. So therefore, you would think that, uh, so, so therefore he can't then transfer those rights right? so uh, okay. to, to, to D, right? So, right? so it doesn't work because since when C receives the rights from A and B, it doesn't do him any good because he still has D, he can't then take those rights and transfer it again. Two people who didn't make an Eruv cannot give their rights to two other people who didn't make an Eruv because obviously it's going to be the same sum total. You're still going to have two guys that have the rights. So it says, no, why do you need that case? Similar case. In other words, they go to the, if, if A and B didn't make an Eruv and C and D also didn't, so A and B could go to C and say, here, take our rights and then give it over to D. Right? So it still doesn't work. They still, it still doesn't work. So, in other words, it's done all at one time. If A, B, and C all want to give up their Rashut to D, that would work. But A and B cannot give it to C and tell him to give it to D. Now, what about a Yorish? Somebody dies on Shabbat. One of the members of this Chatzir dies on Shabbat. Okay? So it says, so Rashi says, the guy was on his deathbed, so he forgot to participate in the Eruv Chatzirot, you know? This was the least of his problems. He passes away, and now his son is there. Now there's no Eruv. So, meaning, let's say there's five people in the Chatzir, one of them. Four of them made an Eruv. The fifth guy passed away. So now what do we do? The fifth guy never participated. Right. So, so the fifth guy is gone. So what do we do now? So one possibility is since the son could not have participated in the Eruv yesterday because his father was still alive. He didn't own that place. He didn't own that house. Right? So since his son wouldn't have had the right to do it yesterday, so he can't really do it today. Why not? Right? Because he, cause he's exactly what I just said. Because since, the, you might think that your ability to do Bitul Rishut is only because you could have done Eruv before and you didn't do it. But this son wasn't an owner of this house before. Okay. Now his father died on Shabbat. He all of a sudden becomes an owner. Friday afternoon he couldn't have made an Eruv. So maybe that restricts him for the whole Shabbat that he can't he can't make a bitul either. Or maybe we say that no, when somebody who inherits the heir is like the leg of his father. 
Meaning, just even though he's a new entity, right, he's a new owner, but really is the extension of his father. So his father could have made an Eruv on Friday and did not. He could have also done Bitul on Shabbat and he did not. The son becomes like an extension. He's not like a new, totally new entity, but he is an extension of the father and therefore he should be able to do Bitul on that Shabbat. Amar mevatel. He said to him, I say he can do it. But the people from the Yeshiva of Shmuel say that they cannot. Tanu en bivatil. They say he cannot. Okay? Now, there is an objection to this. Anything that's permitted for part of Shabbat is permitted for the whole Shabbat. And anything that's prohibited for part of Shabbat is prohibited for the whole Shabbat. Except for the institution of Bitul Rishut, where you could do it on Shabbat. What does it mean? Something that became permitted on Erev Shabbat stays for the whole Shabbat. That's like, for example, you have two Chatzirot that are next to each other. And we learn they have an option. They could connect with each other through an Eruv or not. It's up to them. Now, they had an opening that connected them. They had a hole in the wall. They had a window. They had whatever. That's why they were able to make an Eruv. On Shabbat, uh, the, the municipality sent uh, workers and they sealed off the hole. So now they don't have a, a passageway anymore. So they couldn't have made an Eruv Chatzirot anymore. But they did before Shabbat. So therefore what? We say it's, it holds for the whole Shabbat. Similarly, So what, what's, what's the Zeaklal? What is, this is the rule come to include. Similarly, a Mavoy that had a Lechi or Korah in the beginning of Shabbat. Right? It had a vertical stick or a horizontal stick in the beginning of Shabbat. That's only a rabbinic rule anyway to have that. To have that stick. So if it was there in the beginning of Shabbat, even if it fell off, you will keep it for the whole Shabbat. That wouldn't apply to walls, by the way. That only applies to the Lechi V'Korah because it's a rabbinic thing that they, uh, that they have. Now, what does it mean? Anything prohibited for part of Shabbat is prohibited for the whole Shabbat. Let's say you had two houses that were in the middle of the, street, uh, the, middle of the public domain. And all of a sudden, they're doing a public works project. They show up and they make a wall around these two houses. The non-Jews, they made a wall around it. So now all of a sudden we have a, we have a chater. We can do bitul reshut to each other, we can we'll carry. Case, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It could happen on Shabbat. So what do you do? So in that case, so it says, so it says, you can't use it for that Shabbat because it was prohibited to carry in that area before Shabbat. So even though the walls came down on Shabbat, or came up rather on Shabbat, you can't use it for that Shabbat. Why does it say this is the rule? Again, similarly, it says the case of that if the nochri, the non-Jew who lived in the uh, in the chazer, died on Shabbat, so then you know beforehand they weren't able to make an eruv chazerot because the non-Jew was there, and let's say he refused to give them, he refused to rent them his space. So therefore, he was. They weren't allowed to use the. Uh, they weren't allowed to use that chaser, that Shabbat because he refused to do it. Right. So it says um, that. Uh, uh, but now that he died, you might think, oh, now the situation has changed. But since they couldn't make an eruv before, they also can't change the situation on Shabbat itself. Now the the thing is, it says that v'katani um, Right? So that so, sounds like uh, exactly what we're talking about because you, you were asking if the guy died on Shabbat and now the son wants to do Bitul Rashut, it sounds like the fact that he wasn't able to do Bitul Rashut on Erev Shabbat shouldn't affect the fact that he can do it now. So it says no because we'll say, Ihu in Yoreshlo. Right? So implying that he could, but his, but his heir could not. 
Meaning that that would be so. It says it says Ema chutz mitorat bitorishut. What it means is that, in other words, initially the Gemara was interpreting it as against the idea. Rashi says sheshachak v'leimay va'apal pi shenasal mekzat Shabbat yeshlo takana b'Shabbat umidelo katanei chutz mi shebitel rishut v'yoresh shemamina yoresh lo. In other words, it was in, assuming that it's talking about the same person. In other words, a person, if it's the same person and they didn't do Bitul Rishut before Shabbat, they could do it on Shabbat. But not the inheritor of that person. Right? That's what the Gemara initially thought. But then the Gemara concludes, no. The Yoresh, the, the person who inherits, is actually like an extension of the father. And since he's an he extension inherited, of the father. The right. He inherits the situation and therefore just like the father could have done uh, if he wanted to on that Shabbat. So too, the son could do the same. He inherits the same power as his father had. Okay, now either way, there is another objection here. Now, let's say you have a guy who lived in this chatzir and he dies and he leaves it to somebody minashuk, meaning somebody who lives elsewhere, right? If he died before, Yom, before Shabbat started, and so the transfer of the property already occurred before Shabbat, so then, then that new party who's involved will prohibit everybody else unless he's part of the Eruv Echatzerot. But if he, uh, but if it happened when Shabbat had already started, so then it's not going to break whatever they created on Erev Shabbat. However, Right, let's say a guy who was who didn't live in that neighborhood died, and he left it to somebody who was in the chater. Right? So it says from the from the uh, from before if if he died during the day, it's not going to have an impact. But if he died on Shabbat, it is going to have an impact. So what's the reason? Because the thing is that this, so this guy who didn't live there, but he had a house there. Right? He had a house there. So he died and left it to somebody else. Somebody who lived there. So now there's an additional domain that wasn't included in the Erovei uh, Chatserot. So if he died, in other words, if the guy died before Shabbat, so then the guy who already lives in the Chatser inherited, let's say there's another house in that Chatser that belonged to a, a party outside. So that's why it's saying, if he died um, and it, it occurred, well, on Friday, so what will happen? So he had left it to his neighbor. So now his neighbor owns two houses in the Chatzir. No problem. The neighbor joined in the Erovei Chatzirot on behalf of both of the houses. Okay? But if he died uh, after Shabbat already started, and we're assuming the guy who was uh, the Echad Minashuk didn't join in any Erovei Chatzirot or anything like that, so then he's, he's still going to prohibit, even though now the owner of that property lives in the Chatzir and actually joined in the Erovei Chatzirot. It's not going to help because at the beginning of Shabbat, the owner lived outside and didn't participate. Okay? That's, so now the question is like this. Amai Oser. Why should it be a problem? The fact is that this owner died. Let's say it's your neighbor. Okay? Meaning the house next to you was owned by somebody and they left it to you. You live in the Chatzir. So all of a sudden now you own two houses in the Chatzir. Right? So what's the problem? It says, so why can't you just do... True, now there's an additional domain that wasn't included in the original Erovei Chatzirot, because you didn't have it before. So why can't you just do Bitul? It's yours. So say, I'm Vatel, my, uh, my rights to everyone else. Why, why is it? They didn't have a right. because of that guy. He was not well, there. They were, but they could do Bitul Rishut or whatever. But right. so it says, Amai Oser Nivtil. Why don't you just do Bitul Rishut? Right? So it says, Mai Oser Nami Dekatane Ad Sheyivatel. What it means is, it's Asur until they do Bitul. 
It doesn't mean there's no solution. It means that you need to do bitul if the situation changed and it fell into your hands. Then you do bitul, just like if the situation changed and the, inherit, the person inherited the property on Shabbat, he does bitul. Right? He should be able to do it. Tashma, another example. Yisrael v'ger shu'in b'mgurachat. If you have a Jew and a, and, a, and a convert who live in one area, omed ger m'bodyom. So the convert died on Friday. And we know that what happens is if the convert has no Jewish relatives, so automatically his property becomes hefker. Anybody could take it. The, the right that doesn't make any sense the way that it's written, but we'll just read it and then the Gemara is going to pick it apart. Okay? It says, even though another Jew came and took the property of the ger, okay, he prohibits. What? No, it's mi be'od yom. If he died on Friday night already, even though another Jew didn't take it, it won't prohibit. So it's very strange. What do you mean? It should be the opposite. It should be that if another person came and took possession of it, it's worse. Because now you have another party involved. Right? It should be. So it says, Because the first part doesn't make sense. Because if he died before Shabbat, you're saying, even though a Jew came and took it, it still prohibits. Implying that what? That if he didn't take it, it's even worse. Right? Because saying, meaning that it's saying even though a, another Jew took it, it, it will prohibit. So it says, so, so it says, it says, meaning if nobody took it, also it would be bad. Right? Meaning even though another person took it implies that that, that should be better. Right, that, that if nobody took it, it would be bad. Even if somebody took it, it would be bad. Right, that, that's what it's saying. But Adrav, it's the opposite. It should be the opposite. If nobody came and claimed that property of the ger, so what's the problem? It doesn't belong to anybody. It's just sitting there. It should be good. So it says, Really, it should say, Even though nobody came and took it, okay, it still prohibits. But that's not what it says. It says, even though somebody took it. Right? So it says, It means, even though the Jew didn't take it on Friday, a Jew came and claimed it on Shabbat. Right? Since he had the ability to take it on Friday, and he comes and he claims it on Shabbat, He's actually going to mess up the Eruv for everybody. If he had done nothing, it would have been fine. Because it would belong to nobody. But they come back. Okay? Right, now we can do Bitul. Now it says, now. So, Then it said, if the guy died, the Ger died Friday night, even though a Jew didn't claim it, it won't prohibit. What do you mean, even though a Jew didn't claim it, it won't prohibit? Implying that if he did claim it, Right? Then definitely wouldn't be a problem. Because if you're saying even though he didn't claim it, what do you mean even though he didn't claim it? Implying that if he claimed it, it would be better. It wouldn't be better if a Jew claimed it on Shabbat. It would be better if he left it. It says, It should be worse if the guy comes and takes it. It says, Fine, change the language again. Say, even though a Jew came and claimed it on Shabbat, he won't, he won't be a problem. But that's exactly the opposite of what it says. So interesting. So he says like this. Basically, his, his interpretation is like this. That if the ger died on Friday, even though the Jew didn't come claim it until Shabbat started, the fact that he could have claimed it on Friday makes his presence a spoiler. Okay? 
if the ger died on Shabbat, so since even though a Jew came and claimed it on Shabbat, right, it won't make a difference. Why? Because he couldn't have claimed it before Shabbat. Right? So even though he does come and claim it on Shabbat, since the ger was still alive on Friday and there was no way he could have claimed it on Shabbat, on before Shabbat, so he's not going to be a spoiler. That's how our Papa interprets it. Still, what's the, what's the bottom line here? Katani miat reisha oser. So it still says though that if the ger died before Shabbat and then the Jew comes along on Shabbat and claims the property, since he could have claimed it on Friday, his claim is like retroactive, right? And he spoils everything. So why is he prohibiting it though? Why can't he just do bitul? So it implies that you can't, that if there's a change of ownership, we're going back to the same issue of the inheritance. It implies that if there's a change of ownership on Shabbat itself, the person who inherits can't do bitul because he didn't have possession before. It says, no, my oser de katani ad You don't have to read it that way. Just assume that what it means is until he does bitul, it's prohibited. Meaning he could do bitul, even though he didn't own it before Shabbat. And so too, the Yorish, the person who inherits, could do bitul once he inherits it, even though the inheritance happens on Shabbat. Rabbi Yochanan says, you know what? Matnitin mani, you know who our Mishnah is following? Beit Shamaihi. Damrei en bitul rishud b'Shabbat. It's Beit Shamai who says you can't do bitul rishud on Shabbat. That's why these Mishnayot are all saying, oh, he prohibits, he prohibits. If the guy dies, he prohibits because talking about according to Beit Shammai that you can't do Bitul Rishut on Shabbat. It's not Neimat Ein Notin Rishut like we saw in our Mishnah. Beit Shammai Omrim Mi Beod Yom. Beit Shammai says you can only do uh, you can only do Bitul Rishut Mi Beod Yom on Friday. Or Beit Hillel Omrim Mishetechshach. And Beit Hillel says no, even on even on Shabbat. In other words, that's the reason why these Brightot or Mishnayot are saying that you can't that if the that that the, that the introduction of a new person. Causes a problem because they hold like Beit Shammai that you can't do Bitul Rashut. Amar Ula, Ula said, What is the reasoning of Beit Hilel that you can do Bitul Rashut even on Shabbat? He's comparing it to a case where somebody goes and separates Truma on your behalf from produce that belongs to you. The owner comes in and says, Oh, you should have given from even better produce than that. Right? And if he has better, that shows that he endorses what the guy did. Because he, say, he doesn't say to him, what the heck are you doing? Why are you touching my stuff? He says, well, you should have gone to the better one. Right? So, so too, Bitul Rashut shows that I was okay with people using my rights to the Chatser. I'm just saying it now. But really, I was all along okay with it. Retroactively. That's why it works on Shabbat. Amar says, But if the non-Jew dies on Shabbat, how can you compare it to that? That's where the situation changed. You want to do Bitul Rashut on Shabbat, and Beit Hillel says it's okay to do Bitul on Shabbat if the, non-Jew, if the non-Jew died. Let's say the non-Jew refused to rent out, and then the non-Jew dies, you're allowed to do Bitul Rashut on Shabbat. You can't say that I'm revealing now what my intention was on Friday, because on Friday the non-Jew was there. I didn't have any intention on Friday. So you can't say that it has to do with the, with the retroactively my intention on Friday. Beit Shammai interprets Bitul Rishut as a type of a transaction. And you can't do a transaction on Shabbat. It's like you're giving something, you're, you're, give, you're making an acquisition or a transfer of property. That Betilel says, you're not actually transferring, you're just, you're just giving up. You're just removing yourself. That's not a real acquisition. You're just, you're, right. You're, you're, it's a negative, not a positive. You're, you're just excluding yourself. 
You're taking yourself out. That's not a real transfer of property, and therefore it's okay. So it's a question about how the mechanism works. According to Beit Shammai, it's a type of a... Somebody asked this same question when we first talked, talked about Bitul on Shabbat. That according to, according to Beit Shammai, it's, it's a transfer of, the, of rights and property. So it's really like business on Shabbat. You shouldn't be able to do it. According to Beit Hillel, you're just mistalik. You're just removing yourself from, from the chatzir. So there, that's, not a, that's not a monetary transaction. And so therefore he says, or they say that you're allowed to do it even on Shabbat. And that's how Rabbi Yochanan explains these Braithot. He says, you don't have to say it, these Mishnayot or Braithot are saying, oh, Oser Ad Shivatel, that it's talking about, oh, he only prohibits everybody until he does Bitul. It could be that it's following Beit Shammai, who says you're not allowed to do Bitul on Shabbat. But according to those who say you can do Bitul on Shabbat, the fact that I inherited the property on Shabbat wouldn't preclude me just because I wasn't able to, uh, uh, to participate in the Rovei Chatzirot on Arab Shabbat doesn't mean that I can't do Bitul on Shabbat itself.